You're listening to Legion, the podcast about the devil and all his works. From obsessions to possessions, from hexes to hauntings, if it's demonic, I'm on it. I'm Susan Vigilante. Welcome to the podcast. Do you believe in ghosts? Seriously, do you believe in ghosts? It's late October as I'm recording this, so it's the spooky time of year. Halloween's less than a week away. Okay, there are fake witches in the trees. There, there are fake witches stuck onto uh, telephone poles. The uh, jack-o'-lanterns are out. The leaves are dying. The cornfields are bare. At least the ones down the street from me are. Everything looks kind of spooky. So I thought, why not look at a few spooky things this week on Legion? Let's have a little fun with ghosty stuff. So let's start with the question again. Do you believe in ghosts? What is a ghost exactly? The first thing I do, of course, is check with Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas, the angelic doctor himself, says that souls are able to appear wondrously to the living when they will. So basically, the boss man of Catholic theology was definitely a believer. It probably helped that Aquinas had seen a few ghosts himself, by the way. His sister, the ghost of his sister, came to visit him, and the ghost of a brother in his monastery, who he didn't even know was dead yet, came to talk to him once. Now you fast forward to the 21st century, and... uh, Let's look at a modern theologian. Peter Kreeft. Peter Kreeft. I better check that. One or the other. Peter K-R-E-E-F-T. Says that uh, there are actually three different categories of ghosts. There are what he calls the sad, filmy ghosts. Who, he says, are souls in purgatory. And uh, they're kind of hanging around looking sad hoping somebody will take pity on them and try to pray them out of purgatory. Then there are angry, malicious ghosts. These are the demons. These are the ones that throw things around and, you know, choke people and uh, poltergeists and whatnot. And finally, he says, there are the cheerful, benevolent ghosts. These ghosts, uh, you know, they're like your grandma your late grandma who came back to tell you the uh, recipe for the meatloaf she never told anybody, or uh, your Uncle Harry who came back to tell you about his secret fishing spot. Those are benevolent ghosts. There's a lot of variety in ghost land when you think about it. Now, I personally have never seen a ghost, but I do know a few people who have. The one that stands out in my memory is the wife of one of our cousins. A few years ago over Christmas dinner, she told us about her encounter with a ghost. Now, she did not believe in ghosts at all. She never was a believer of any kind. She and her husband had recently bought a house. I think it was in New Jersey. Yes, it had to be New Jersey. It was a Dutch colonial. And uh, one day, while they were doing all the moving in stuff, she decided to take a break and lie down in the guest room to get a little rest between cartons. And suddenly she kind of woke up and she saw this old lady standing next to the bed. And the old lady was scowling and looking angry. And 
In her fist, she had a whole fistful of weeds that she was shaking in the cousin's face, just shaking these weeds over and over again. Well, the cousin woke up and, of course, booked it out of that room pretty quickly. Over the next couple of days, she started asking neighbors if they knew anything about the previous owners of the house. And they said, well, yes, it was uh, owned by this one old woman who lived there. She was kind of a recluse and she didn't have any money, but she did have a vegetable garden that she took very good care of. And she essentially lived off the stuff from her vegetable garden. And our cousin said, there's no vegetable garden at this house. There's just this big patch of weeds out in the backyard. Oh, I get it now. She went home. She ripped all the weeds up, she cleaned up the vegetable garden, and the ghost never came back. So that's the case of <laughs> this lady thought she had unfinished business and came back to set everybody straight about the vegetable garden. Have I mentioned Padre Pio before? I can't remember if I have, but uh, to give you a recap, Padre Pio was a Franciscan priest who lived in Italy. He died in 1968. He was a stigmatist. He had the stigmata, he had the, which are the, the wounds of Christ from the crucifixion. They were in his hands and in his side and in his feet. He was very famous for this. He didn't want to be, but he was. People came to him from all over the world to seek his advice, to ask him to pray for them, to go to confession to him. He was, you know, he was like a monastic celebrity in spite of his own wishes. He was also kind of famous for seeing a lot of ghosts. One story is uh, he came into the chapel one evening and he saw a young friar up on the altar who was cleaning. He was dusting things and, you know, setting things in order. And Padre Pio said, who are you? What are you doing here? And the young friar said, well, I was a novice in this convent. I died here years ago, but I was always supposed to clean up the altar and I never did it properly. So I'm serving my purgatory cleaning. Padre Pio said, oh, you poor kid. I'll tell you what, I'll say my mass for you tomorrow morning and, and you can go to heaven. You're out of here. He said his mass for the young friar the next morning and he never saw him in the chapel again. According to another story, one night after everyone was asleep and all the doors were locked, he saw an old man in the hallway. Well, he knew there was no way this guy could have come in because all the doors were locked. And he asked him, what are you doing here? And the man said, my name is Pietro Di Mario. I died in this building in room number four in 1908 when this place was still a poor house. But God let me come to ask you to please say a mass for me so I can get out of purgatory and go to heaven. And of course, Padre Pio said, no problem. Uh, first thing in the morning, you'll, you got my mass. You'll be in heaven by tomorrow night. In the meantime, one of the other friars in the convent went down to the city hall and looked up some records. And in fact, in 1908, the convent was still a poor house. It did catch fire. And a man named Pietro Di Mario died in that fire on September 18th, 1908. So those are a couple of examples of Padre Pio encountering ghosts. I have to say, speaking for myself, if pod somebody like Padre Pio, who's actually a saint, told me that he had seen ghosts, I would believe in ghosts, no question after that. I have one more story about Padre Pio, and this one's my favorite, I have to say. One night during World War II, after all the friars had gone to bed, it was after lights out, 
The other friars on Padre Pio's corridor heard what they thought was a huge party going on. It was a bunch of young men shouting and cheering and clapping. And the next morning, when they saw Padre Pio, they said, what the heck was going on there last night? And he said, oh, oh, that, um, that was a platoon of young American soldiers. They were all killed yesterday. I prayed for them so they could get into heaven and they got out of purgatory, but they just stopped by on their way to heaven just to say thanks. So those are a few ghost stories. Now, what about haunted houses? Are they real? Well, I can tell you one thing. The people at the online realtor, isoldmyhouse.com, are true believers. According to the company website, 61% of potential buyers are unwilling to buy a property if it is said to be haunted. That's a lot of potential buyers. Luckily, though, the folks at isoldmyhouse.com have found a solution. Quote, this is from their material. We've partnered with an exorcist to open a home exorcism service that will ensure your property is empty of any apparitions. All you have to do is fill out the questionnaire, explaining the nature of the problem, and they'll send somebody over right away. A home exorcism service by a real estate company. That's, that's taking ghosts seriously. You know, of course, you know, you've seen the internet. It's packed with stories of haunted houses and haunted graveyards and, you know, haunted garages or whatever, especially this time of year, of course. Podcasts are packed with them, too. Here's one of the best stories I could find about a haunted property. It comes up in several different sources, so I guess it's everybody's favorite story. But it was just too good to pass up, so I'm going to talk about it now. 1000 Lombard Street. In 1967, San Francisco socialite and gossip columnist Pat Montandon, M-O-N-T-A-N-D-O-N, landed her first book deal. Pat, in addition to her other things, she had a radio spot, she had a TV spot, she wrote the gossip columns. She was also a renowned hostess. She entertained the likes of Frank Sinatra and Andy Warhol at lavish dinner parties in her home at 1000 Lombard Street. You've probably seen pictures of Lombard Street. It's that very, very pretty street in San Francisco that's almost entirely made up of S-curves that kind of snake their way down the hill. Apparently, you can't drive any faster than like 15 miles an hour on it, and I wouldn't want to. Pat's book was about her hostess skills. It was called How to Be a Party Girl. And it was, you know, it was going to really sell a lot of copies. Everybody in the West Coast knew about her. Everybody wanted to give parties just like the ones she gave. So it it looked pretty good for her. She was very famous in San Francisco. She was blonde. She was beautiful. She was one of these bright, bubbly creatures. I mean, and no one ever turned down an invitation to one of her parties. But the book launch party had to be special. So she and her assistant decided... On a theme for the party, they decided, let's do an occult theme. So guests would arrive at the party, and they could choose from different stations throughout the apartment. There was a tarot reader at one table. There was a crystal ball gazer somewhere else. There was an astrologist. Uh, There was a palm reader. Every kind of pop occult thing you can think of, you could have had a sample of it at that party. Well, as the story goes... The tarot car reader asked Pat to get him a drink. 
but she got busy with her guests and she forgot about the drink. The tarot card reader, a man with a red beard and a green velvet suit, excellent taste in astrology, threw a spectacular fit. He'd never been treated so rudely in his life, he bellowed. Pat was a disgrace to hospitality. How dare she forget to bring him his drink? The guy went completely bats, and he finally stood up and yelled, I lay a curse on you and on this house. I do not forget, and I do not forgive. And then he stormed out with his entourage. Fast forward a couple weeks. A few weeks later, Pat's apartment was burglarized. The apartment got so cold that she and her assistant had to wear coats indoors. An acrid stench filled the whole building. Her dog had a nervous breakdown, barking incessantly in the middle of the night and gnawing constantly on his own coat. As soon as they got him out of the apartment, he was okay, but it was clear from the way he was reacting something was deeply wrong there. And every morning, Pat woke up to the tune of Mockingbird Hill with no idea of where it was coming from. Now, if you know the song Mockingbird Hill, it's kind of like a Lawrence Welkie tune. It would drive anyone crazy to have to listen to it every morning. She installed more locks. Every morning they were all broken. She was attacked in her own home by a man she'd been on a date with. He was choking her and terrorizing her, and he would not leave until finally the police showed up. She developed a respiratory infection that nearly killed her. And her social life, of course, absolutely disappeared. She had to get out of there. There was still a year left on the lease, but she, she had to get out of there, so she left. Her assistant said, you know, since there's still a year left, would you mind if I, if I lived here? Pat said, are you sure? I wouldn't live there on a bet. But the assistant said, yeah, I can handle it. It's fine. One week later, Pat got a call from the police. Are you the lady who used to live at 1000 Lombard Street? Because there was a fire there early this morning, and we found a body. Her assistant had burned up in the fire. And incidentally, the fire department could never figure out how the fire had started or the path, how it had taken the path it had. They, they're, they're still stumped by how that happened. In the following year, two of Pat's friends committed suicide. Now, Pat did some research on the building. And she found out that there was a very high rate of divorce and alcoholism among former tenants. And there was another woman who committed suicide in the building. And she used to play the song, you guessed it, Mockingbird Hill at all hours of the night. So what happened? Was it all the tarot card reader's curse? Did the occult themed party open a portal for demons? Another person might say, oh, it was just coincidence. But my answer is, hell yes, it was the curse. And hell yes, it opened a portal. Oh, keep going, people. What do you think happens when you invite, you know, occulty guys into your house and let them do their thing there? Here, let's play with my Ouija board. Oh, nothing's going to happen. Ha ha ha. Ask around. You'll find out. Now, Pat eventually recovered. And the curse seems to have disappeared from the apartment. I think it was sold for like $6 million some time back, although it was probably worth more. And Pat went on to become an activist who was nominated for the Nobel Prize three times. But of her time at Lombard Street, she said she was never a devotee of the supernatural, but she just doesn't know how else to explain the, quote, evil that threatened her existence there. 
Oh, um, one last thing about haunted real estate. Apparently, the one place in the country people do not care if a place was haunted is New York City. If they can get a condo or an apartment at a decent price, they don't care how many ghosts have been there. They're going to snap it up. And, you know, New Yorkers being, I'm a New Yorker myself, I can, I can totally sympathize. Happy Halloween, everybody. My sources for this episode of Legion include sfgate.com, chicagoagentmagazine.com, isoldmyhouse.com, catholic.com, everloving Wikipedia, and the newyorktimes.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legion, the podcast about the devil and all his works. I hope you'll join me again next time. I'm Susan Vigilante, and remember, the devil's first trick is to convince you he doesn't exist.